Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning, church. Is everybody happy for Thanksgiving? Did you guys do all the shopping? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, the Lord be with you this week as you go shopping. It's, it's great to be in church today. Um, I shared in the first service, and I just want to uh, share it again because I, I feel from the Lord to, that somebody needs to, to be encouraged in this. Um, um, recently, a couple of months ago, we found out one of my nieces, my beautiful nieces, has a condition that will eventually take over her body, and she will step into heaven in, in the next couple of years. And it's been tough. Um, these last couple of months, seeing my brother and the entire family walk through this. Um, But this week I talked to my brother and he gave me good news that my niece has not had a seizure in three weeks and that is huge, it is huge. And I just wanna encourage you church, no matter what you're walking through, God is still good. And today we can rejoice that she hasn't had a seizure in three weeks and that is good news. And sometimes we have to focus even those things that seem like small steps. We want to see the big things, and and those will come. We're trusting God. Um, But today we decide to focus on the goodness of God and this good news for us. So whatever you're going through, uh, make a decision to be thankful, even for those things that might seem like a small step. God is still good. So hang on to, to hope. He is good. And we are believing that she's going to have a full life in Jesus' name. Well, let's get into the word this morning. Happy Thanksgiving to, to everybody. And let's go to Matthew chapter 5. This series has been just amazing. Has it blessed your heart? Has it spoken truth? Yes, God's word always speaks truth. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Jesus is addressing the crowd. I'm so glad you all didn't come to the first service. I was still a bit nervous in the first service, so I hope you'll get a a better version this time. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, it says, Jesus speaking, Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, You must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your word, yes, be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. I honestly think we could just close up and go home right? God's word is very clear. Let your yes be yes. Don't make promises because I think God knows us, right? I think um, in our culture, which was also an issue back then and still is today, Jesus was trying to address that we always feel the need of saying, I'm going to do this and I pinky promise, right? Or cross my heart. What is it? I don't know what that means, but whatever that is, right? 
But we feel the need to add something to it as if that's going to make it legit. That's going to make it, uh, people are going to be able, oh, because he said cross my heart or pinky swear, he's going to keep his word or she's going to keep his word. We feel the need to add weight or add to it because sadly, but in our culture, our word is not good enough. That is why lawyers exist. And even when you go to a court proceeding and somebody is going to take the stand, they make them say, I swear to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Wouldn't we just simple say, I'm going to say the truth and that's it? Or wouldn't we expect people to just live a truthful life? And if they say they're going to commit to something, they, they say they're going to do something, we would, as humans, follow through, right? But Jesus knows our humanity. He knows we fall short. He knows that we have a trouble. We, are, we get ourselves in trouble saying the truth. So we feel the need we have to lie. And then we have to keep up with the lie. See, you never have to keep up with the truth. The truth is the truth. But a lie, we have to keep up with it and keep lying and, and keep covering up. And sadly, but it's become a problem in our culture, our culture today. And Jesus was addressing this problem because it is a problem. Because we don't keep our word. We say we're going to show up at a certain time, and what do we do? And then you blame it on the Mexicans. Come on, people. <laughs> then they say, Mexican time or American time? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I can say that because I'm half Mexican, so it's okay. <laughs> Right, but we're always uh, trying to find a little loop or a little way to get away from the truth, and then we measure it up or we say colors. We say, oh, it's a white lie. Like we categorize. Or was that a big lie or was just that a small lie? Right? We, we size it up or size it down, and, and we try to manipulate what is really truth. But Jesus is just asking us to be truthful. If we say yes, it's a yes. If we say no, then be free and say no. But we tend to get caught up in our words, in our conversations, and, and, and then we start lying, and we got to keep up with the lie. And Jesus is addressing that this has become a problem in our culture today. And I want to take you to a story that is in Joshua chapter 7. Verse 1, and let me just tell you a little bit of the story. So God, God has his mighty people, the Israelites, and they are warriors, they are fighters, and God has a plan to, to, take, to have them take over a land. And the plan of God is so that they could conquer more land because that was, that was his plan. So God asked them to take a piece of land, and they decide one of the mans that his name is Achan, he decides when he goes up and sees the land, there is silver and gold, and there is some robes. Now, I don't know what the big deal about robes, but he was into robes, okay? So he sees the robes, he sees silver, he sees gold, and it was pleasing, it was delightful for him. But God had said, don't take anything. Simple, clear direction, commandment number nine says, do not lie. Is that clear? Do not lie? We can all agree with that, right? But we always find a little loophole, right, to get into that. 
And God said, do not take anything of the belongings from the enemies. Just go take the land, that's it. So before that, Joshua, which was the leader, he sends out a team to go spy in the land. Go spy in the land, check it out, see how many men they have in that land, and then come and bring a report. Well, he sends a couple of men. They go over there and say, you know what? There's actually very few men. I think we, just, we should just send a couple of warriors, two to 3,000. I think that's a lot. If there was just a couple of men, I'm thinking there's only two or three, and they're all weak, right? But they decide to send 3,000 men to fight this battle. And when they're sent off, guess what? The land, the men that were in the enemy's camp rise up and they actually start killing Israelites, the, the warrior men. And then they realize that they're loose in this battle because the hearts of the Israelites got full of fear. So that's where we're picking up the story, okay? So Joshua chapter 7 verse, we're going to read verse 9 and then jump to verse 6. It says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Simrim, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. God was really upset. Verse 6, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? So Joshua is laying face down in front of the ark, the covenant where God's presence was, because he's realized that now the Israelites are full of fear and they actually have lost a lot of men. He realizes that now a lot of fathers have died. That he's going to have to go and give condolences to women that are now widows, to children that are now going to grow up fathers, fatherless. And he's trying to understand what is going on. If God said he, they, were gonna give the, he, they were going to get the victory, what is going on here? So Joshua goes before the Lord and starts saying, Lord, why did you do this? Why every time something goes wrong, might we always go to God? Or why do we always go to God? Why did you do this? When it was actually there was a man that did this. So let's pick up the story again. Verse 10. So the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them in their own possessions. Verse 12, this is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Then Joshua said to Achan, this is the man. This is the man. Achan was the man who took the possessions, the gold, the silver, the robes, took, lied, 
took them back to the campground and hid them. And now they realize that they are losing because God was saying, I am no longer with you because I was very clear on my instruction. I said, do not take anything from the enemy's camp. And they had taken back and hid it. And now men had died because of one man that decided that that temporary thing was more beautiful, was more pleasing, was something that might help him get by for those days or for a couple of days. And now he had become a liar. He had taken things that were not his and hid them in his camp, in his tent. He had become a liar. Now men had died because of this lie. See, sometimes we think we can get away with lies, right? Sometimes we think, oh, the lie will only hurt me, but we don't realize that lies destroy our relationship with God and lies destroy our relationship with others. Can we really trust somebody that has lied? No. We all have a family member, right? We know somebody that has at one point told us, I will be there, I'll show up, I'll be there, and what do they do? Now make sure that if that person is next to you, do not bump him on the elbow. But sometimes we have a relative, even if it's a distant relative or a close member that is constantly lying. And it destroys, it breaks up, it, it severs our relationship with them. And number one, lies harm our relationship with God and with others. This is not God's plan. That's why he wants us, his children, to walk in truth, to speak the truth. That if we make an oath, if we make a promise, that if we say yes, let our yes be yes. That's simple. Psalms chapter 15, verse 1 and 3, it says, Who may enter your presence? on your holy hill those who lead blameless lives and do what is right speaking the truth from sincere hearts those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends it says who is going to enter into the presence of god those that have not lied and and i think sometimes the first lie that we so easily get caught up is i am i'm not that bad i'm not that big of a sinner uh, uh, and we always pick the worst person that we know so we can compare ourselves so that we feel better about ourselves right we're not going to pick like somebody that's doing pretty good right we pick the worst person see I, i'm not that bad i'm not that big of a liar because we're always trying to get away and we need to be careful, church, when we fall into those traps that we are not that big of a liars. We don't, I, I, I don't, I, I never lie. Because the first time we, or when we try to say that, guess what we're doing the next sentence? Probably lying. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 25, it says, A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. God wants us to, to be truthful with our words, to be genuine, to be transparent. But 
We live in a culture where there's so much lying, nobody can distinguish really what is truth. It's so gray, like what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we don't know what the truth is, we're facing something that we're not too sure. Let's go to Jesus. He will show us the way because he is truth. And lies will rupture relationships. Lies will destroy and separate us from the glory of God, from our relationship with him. Number two. Lies open the door for destruction. This is exactly what the Israelites exposed themselves because of one man. And right there in Joshua 7, 12, this is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. Have you ever thought, why can't I just conquer this? We need to look inward. We, we tend to look outward, right? Whose fault is it? And sometimes we need to look at ourselves. Why? This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. Because one man opened the door to lie. And now everybody is liable for destruction. The whole entire army of Israel is liable for destruction because of one man that decided not to obey God's commandment. Men had lost their lives. Women had lost their husbands. Children were now fathersless because of the lie of one man. Number three, when we walk in truth, we bring joy to our Father. Now, I know there is no greater thing as parents. We as parents love when our children say the truth. Right? We don't want no lying kids. <laughs> we'll love our children always, but we don't want our children to lie. We want, but that also comes back to us. Are we setting a good example? Do we get caught up in our words and then all of a sudden we said a lie and now we have to say another lie to cover that lie because we got to keep up? Now researchers have found out that people that are liars have a lot of health issues. Anxiety, he was talking about depression. I'm not saying everybody that has health concerns is a liar, right? <laughs> Don't get scared on me, church. <laughs> That's what researchers said, that when people have become liars because they create so much stress within you that even suppresses the immune system, and then it also said that it's linked to a lot of colds. Don't sneeze. <laughs> but wow, see how lies don't just take over and start destroying your life, they destroy the relationships. And Jesus created us to have a relationship with him and have a relationship with others. And the enemy knows that he, if he gets us, he is the father of lies. And that's why right there in Matthew, it says anything more than this, anything more than just yes, yes, and no, no, anything more that we want to add or build or make a legit or, or a proof seal it or, or whatever, it, it is from the evil. I think that's pretty clear. So see, our Father is full of truth, and he wants us to walk in truth and imitate him. 
First John chapter one verse, third uh, John, sorry, chapter one verse four. It says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth." I don't know about you, but I want to be able to to fill my father's heart with joy. There is no greater joy that we, as God's children can speak the truth and live in truth and share the truth with others. That people know, you know what, that person, if she says she's going to show up, she's going to show up. Instead of being people saying, uh, she's kind of flaky. Um, I'm not too sure about him or her. God wants us to walk in his truth. And number four, when we walk in truth, we minister God's heart. We're able to, to walk into his presence and bless his holy name. And that blesses God's heart when he sees his children speaking truth. That if we, we, we commit to something, we follow through. Now, I'm not talking that if you say yes and then all of a sudden you get sick, spread love, not germs, or something like that, right? Uh, we understand those things happen. But when we just say, like, ah, I really don't care. God wants us to be his children of truth because he is a father of truth. He is a father, and we are to follow his example. Has God promised you to always be with you? And he's never failed. He's been faithful to his word, and he wants us, his children, to imitate him, to imitate his character. He's said, yes, he will be with us till the end of the earth. And he's been with us, and God wants us to follow his steps. He is a good father. Now, going back to the story, it says that after they found out, they called all the families to see which tribe and then which family was lying and had been deceitful in lying to the Lord. I would have not liked to be in that meeting that day. They called all of Israel, all the tribes, all the families. And finally, they realized that it was Achan's family. It was him who had lied and was being deceitful. So they brought his family. Chapter 7, verse 24. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent and all that he had, they took it to the valley of Acre. Thank you, Steve, for the reminder. He reminded me that the valley of Acre means the valley of trouble. So they took all of his possessions to the valley of trouble, the valley of Acre. Can you just imagine that moment? What Achan must have been thinking in his head, was it really all worth? They were about to put him to death and his entire family, his cattle, his sheep, his donkey, everything. Was it really worth 
lying and stealing and being deceitful? Was that really worth the gold and the silver and the robes? Was it worth now seeing my family and seeing my children now living the consequence of my decisions, of my poor, bad choices? Was it really worth it? Worship team, you can come up. Sometimes we don't realize, church, how much a lie can hurt a family, can hurt a marriage, can hurt a church, can hurt a business, can hurt your working place. We think, oh, no big deal, because we always think it's just a small lie. We are deceiving ourselves. We are turning our back to God. And we're making ourselves liable to destruction. We're making our home, we're making our house liable for destruction. And I know, maybe, I know Pastor Ben was saying last week, sometimes we come to church too, to receive a word of, yay, woo, right? No, no nobody comes to church for that? <laughs> come on, people. I know we do. But stay with me. I can't imagine what the wife, oh my gosh, the wife of Achan. She must have been ripping that man apart with her eyes. What were you thinking, Achan? The children, the fear. Was it really all worth it? And they were taken, taken to the valley of Acre, the valley of trouble. And they were about to put them to death. Achan finally confessed the truth. And they're in that moment and that family was put to death and everything they owned. But see, a few books after in Hosea, which is a beautiful story that I encourage you to read. Hosea chapter verse, verse 15. God is speaking to the prophet Hosea. And it's a situation that I, I it would take me too long to explain. But God is asking Hosea to go by his wife again. Because his wife kept leaving him. And going with other men. And God says, go and bring her back. And then God speaks this promise, which is just wrecks me. God says, I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. See, God is saying, even though in that valley, whether it was you, church, or myself, who have lied, who have lived a lie, God's saying, when you come to me, you surrender, you confess your sins. I am faithful and just to forgive you. I am a good God. Whether it was you who lied, or maybe you're on the other side, you've been lied to, and you've been hurt. And you're still in that valley of trouble, of disgrace, of shame, of hopelessness. God's saying, hold on, the story is not done yet. That valley of trouble, of despair, of hopelessness, if you give it to me, if you come to me, I am going to turn that valley of trouble into a door of hope. And that is what Jesus does when we come to him. 
and we surrender. And whether it is maybe you need to forgive somebody that has caused you a lot of hurt. And see, a year and a half ago, church, I have, I talked to you about my, one of my brothers. I have, I always forget and I'm still getting used to it. I have five brothers that I grew up with. But a year and a half ago, I found out that I have another brother. And he was my neighbor. And he has two kids now. And we've been walking through this with forgiveness grace and shame but God has promised that that valley of trouble he will turn it into a door of hope and this year we're hopeful he can come his name is Daniel that Daniel can come and sit at the table with us and his two children and his wife because when we surrender to Jesus, when we surrender even those things that we're so ashamed of, that maybe, maybe it wasn't you, but maybe somebody did it to you. Somebody lied to you and it's hurtful. Now you have to walk in forgiveness and in grace and love because we, I need grace and I need forgiveness and I have to extend it, but it doesn't come from me. It only comes out of the relationship with Jesus Christ that we can extend it to others. So when we come to God and we're able to surrender to him, he promises to turn that valley of trouble, of despair, of hopelessness, of disgrace, of shame, into a door of hope. And that is the good news of salvation. That is the good news of grace. That is the good news of forgiveness. That is the good news that Jesus brings. So the story is not over yet. God is still writing your story. So I invite you, church, to stand on your feet. Because, yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So I want to ask you this morning to close your eyes. I want to ask if there's anybody in this place this morning that needs to surrender their life to Jesus. There was one person in, this, in the first service. If there's a person this morning that needs that say you know what I don't know Jesus I want to surrender my life or maybe you did it in the past but you haven't walked with Jesus this invitation is for you so if if that is you I want you to just lift up your hand right there where you're at we just thank you Lord thank you for your goodness it is your goodness that leads us to repentance Lord we want to be a church followers of Jesus Christ that walk in truth that if we've fallen short Lord we ask you to forgive us if 
we have caused pain in others, we ask you, Lord, to, to lead us, to, to mend that relationship, especially now during the holidays, Lord. Your heart is that we be united in you, Father. That you bring healing and restoration to families, Lord. Not just here in Canvas Church, but every family represented, Father. We just ask you to bring restoration. That we may walk in truth. That we may lead others to continue to walk in truth. We thank you that you are a good God and that you have a plan and a purpose for our life, Father. Even for the worst of our days, you still have a plan and our purpose. Thank you for filling us with hope, Father, that even if it was our bad decisions or somebody else's bad decisions, there is still hope. You have promised that there is a door of hope. And Jesus, you are the hope. And we thank you, Father, this morning. We give you glory. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the pastors and small group leaders if you can come up here. And church, if you need prayer, whether it be for, for um, confessing something, I know for me this was hard to share. We're still walking through this. We're still, still trying to walk in grace. But I know sometimes we need to come up to someone and say, you know what? I need to confess something. I, I, I need your prayer. I need your help. And here are amazing pastors and leaders to pray with you, to help you alongside and walk. And if you need prayer, worship team's going to lead us in some worship. If you want to stay for a few more seconds or if you need prayer, please come up. I pray in Jesus' name that everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Be blessed and have a good week.